Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 13, titled A Better Human Being. Uh, An episode that, if I'm being entirely honest, I largely forgot about. Like, obviously, like, the more macro stuff with, uh, Olivia remembering stuff from the original timeline, that's all huge, and to be honest, it kind of carries the episode. But the micro story of this episode, like, the standard fringe case weird thing of the week storyline that they do in this episode, uh, is something that I didn't recall. (laughs) It's something that I honestly, me, a massive fringe fan could not remember for the life of me going into this. Like, I actually, I was going into this episode, and I saw the title, I saw, like, what episode number it was, and I'm usually good about this stuff with shows I love, and I was just looking at it thinking, what episode is this? What happens in this episode? I can't remember what actually happens in this episode. I can't remember (laughs) what the actual premise of the episode is. Like, I couldn't for the life of me, uh figure out what this was going into it, and then I watched the intro and was like, I don't remember this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so I was just like, I was experiencing it for the first time again, almost. And honestly, I kind of, I kind of get why I forgot about it. Like, this... The micro story. We'll leave the macro original timeline Cortexafan stuff for a little bit later. Uh, But as far as the micro story of this episode, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not bad or anything, but it's definitely not their best work. Like, let me put it this way. This would have been a very, very good season one episode. Like, if this was season one, maybe even two, this would be great and I would love it. But we're in season four. And by this point, Fringe definitely had gotten better than this. And so... The expectations kind of ballooned outward at this point, and, like, the micro-narratives got better and better and better. It's just like, eh, we're kind of beyond this. We're kind of beyond this. Like, if, if it wasn't for the Olivia original timeline Cortexafan stuff, this would have been a low point in Fringe. Like, if it wasn't for that, this probably would be universally agreed to be one of its weaker episodes. But of course, there's that macro stuff that is carrying the episode. Uh, but I- I'll hit upon the major beats of the micro storyline very quickly, because it's not a very complicated storyline. It's very simple. Uh, there's a man in a mental institution hearing voices... Uh, Those voices are corresponding to a killing that happened, and they're like, oh my god, this is weird, we have to figure out what this is. Uh, So they investigate it, they find out that he actually has, like, 
telepathy, uh, and is in, like, this telepathic link with his half-brothers, all of whom uh, were the product of IVF, uh, were the product of artificial pregnancies from uh, an anonymous donor. Which explains why there's so many of them and why <laughs> this dude and his family doesn't know that the others exist. Uh, basically, these half-siblings have all formed, like, this weird hive mind. Which is cool. Which is a cool idea. I just wish they made a, a more interesting story with it. Again, great season one episode, but we're in season four. Uh, but it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, like... Season 4 is better than this. Uh, we're better than this story at this point. We track down the doctor who did these, and we find out that the IVF stuff was just a smokescreen for the real experiments, which was in genetic editing. Uh, the, uh, he wanted to sort of reintroduce animalistic instincts that... Uh, we've long since evolved out of, create a better human being. Uh, as part of that, he created this hive mind telepathy thing and created this cluster that was, like, extremely protective of itself. Created this hive mind that was extremely protective of itself. And, of course, this doctor is the father of all of them because, of course, he is. How, how could you not be that narcissistic? Uh, when you're doing genetic freaking editing. So, they're killing people to protect the collective. Uh, there was a writer a few years back that got killed. This reporter that got killed. And then, uh, Olivia and Peter go to this storage unit. Everything's smashed up. And the collective tries to kill them. The, the, the collective tries to murder them. Uh, they stop them. They arrest them. A uh, couple more pieces of the collective, like, kill this doctor dude. And then, weirdly, the voices just stop in this guy, and all the leads dry up, and that's just it. That's just, we're done. Okay. Again, great season one story! If this was in season one, I'd be perfectly fine with it, and it would be amazing. But it's season four, and we're, we've grown beyond this. Uh, the the micro-episodic stories have gotten more interesting than this at this point. Anyway, like, again, nothing wrong with it. It's just, meh. The great shit, the really spectacular stuff, is in the macro Olivia's remembering original timeline stuff. Uh, and she spends this entire episode, like, slowly recalling memories from the original timeline. Uh, the Jacksonville stuff, the, uh, visit to St. Clair's, uh, disaster narrowly avoided or at least postponed, the 6B storyline. Uh, like, she's remembering slowly but surely all these different things from the original timeline. And... Of course, Peter is... Uh, he has mixed feelings. Because <laughs> on the one hand, yay, my Olivia's back. On the other hand, wait, this isn't my Olivia. 
I'm in alternate timeline. We're still operating under the theory that Peter can, quote-unquote, get back to, quote-unquote, his timeline. That this hasn't just been, like, a rewritten deal. Which, I mean, we know from the observers is wrong, but whatever. Uh, Peter, keep thinking that. And Walter spends this entire time, like, trying to figure out what's going on. He's scolding Peter because, for a while, we think maybe Peter's projecting memories onto her. And Walter's like, hey, I know what you're doing. It's wrong. Don't do it. I know what it's like to have that temptation to get someone back. But this, even if you're not doing it intentionally, it's not okay. Uh, but eventually, when Walter uh, runs, like, uh, samples and all that, runs DNA samples, uh, he finds out that, uh, Olivia's been injected with a shit ton of cortexafan. Repeatedly and recently. Hey, um, you know how... Nina's been showing up at Olivia's apartment every once in a while and injecting Olivia with some shit. This looks a hell of a lot like that. This looks a hell of a lot like that. So Walter immediately, like, just drops everything, goes up to Lincoln and is like, Hey, take me to Nina Sharp right now. We need to talk to her about this Cortexafan shit. Something's wrong here. And so they go to Nina, and Walter confronts Nina like, Hey, Olivia's been dosed with cortexafan repeatedly and recently. Uh, You're the only one who has cortexafan right now. It's in massive dynamics storage. Uh, What the hell? And Nina's like, No, no one can get into that vault. It's uh, It has like a biometric scanner attached to it. Like, I'm the only one who can get in. And Walter's like, Okay, take us to the vault. Take us to the frickin' vault. And she takes him to the frickin' vault. And... When she opens up the vault, the Cortexafan's been replaced with potassium iodine mixed with food coloring. Cortexafan's gone. And we know the only person who can get into that building... Is Nina Sharp. And while this is all happening, and by the way, I love the sort of hesitant arc that Olivia and Peter go through, where Olivia is getting this flood of memories from the original timeline and going, Hey, Peter, I'm back. Why why aren't you happy I'm back? Why why aren't you happy about this? Because like Peter's just going like no, you're not my Olivia. You're the Olivia from this timeline. I want the Olivia from the other timeline. Like, just not sure what to do about this. And we have this great moment at, like, the gas station where Peter's like, damn it, I know, I know you're not that Olivia, but, like, I know you're not supposed to be that Olivia, but I look in your eyes and I know it's you. Like, that whole beautiful moment and Olivia's constantly saying, like, hey, I'm not scared. I'm not scared by this. I like this feeling. I like this. Nothing bad is happening to me. I like this. This is a good thing. And then just when they, like, reunite and have that little uh, romantic moment, Olivia goes to pee. Never comes back. 
she gets kidnapped immediately. And when she wakes up, she is captured with Nina Sharp, who is supposed to be uh, at Massive Dynamic at that moment with Walter Lincoln looking at the replaced Cortexa fan. There's there's so much I want to say. Like, honestly, this episode, it's set up for episode 14. Let's call it what it is. Like, this is this is set up for episode 14. It's decent setup. But it's set up nonetheless. Uh very excited to talk about episode 14, because that is that is a big one. That is a big one. Just saying. Anyway, uh, again, again, solid episode all around, although micro story, not the best. Again, if this exact story was told in season one, it'd be great. If this exact story was told in season one, I'd love it, but we're beyond it at this point. We're, we're just beyond it. Anyway, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if it feels so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll put up there once every month. Uh, just last night, put up Whose Death Trap Is This? Uh, the fun game show that I did uh, with Sammy Frick as the contestant. Uh, I asked, I gave her descriptions of death traps from the 60s Batman series and told her to tell me which villain made that death trap. It was a lot heavier on psychological torment than I thought it would be. Which only made it better for me. Because I'm a sadist. <laughs> Definitely listen to that. It was a lot of fun to do. And I love how that turned out. Uh, honestly, that's probably my favorite television archive supplemental we've done so far. Whose Death Trap is this? Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge this dollar a month. It's so good. Uh, or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 14. Talk to you then.